Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. It's another college hockey circuit podcast for you, and we're back after a week off. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, Union's games this weekend against Princeton on Friday and fourth-ranked Quinnipiac on Saturday as the Dutch return to ECAC hockey action, their final conference games of the 2021 calendar year. Also, a look around ECAC hockey. And Brian Unger, the TV analyst for Union Hockey on ESPN+, Plus, will join me. We'll talk about a variety of topics about the Dutchman, including the one I'm about to make a commentary on. If you had a chance to read my article last week, it appears that Union is pushing to get athletic scholarships for their men's and women's hockey team. Jim McLaughlin said that the Union Athletic Department is sponsoring a bill that will allow this to happen. Now, Division Three sports, uh, for the most part, that support Division One hockey, they grandfathered in. Uh, a few years, a long time ago, that uh, they can award athletic scholarships. Right now, there are several Division Three, actually five Division Three schools right now that sponsor Division One sport that don't give out athletic scholarships. That's uh, Union Hockey, RIT Hockey, men's and women's, and of course, that's Union men's and women's as well. Uh, Franklin Marshall Wrestling, Hobart Men's Lacrosse, and uh, MIT Rowing. Uh, they want to get on a level playing field. And uh, Jim McLaughlin said to me that they've been looking at this for more than a year, seeing the real possibility of significant changes on the horizon on the NCAA the, uh, landscape. We felt we had to come together to put some things in place in order to sustain competitiveness for our programs. Now, if, you, if you're a longtime Union hockey fan, you know back in uh, 1991 when uh, then-President Roger Hall uh, announced that the, the hockey program was elevating from Division Three to Division One. He want, did not want the program treated any differently than the Division Three programs. And uh, for the first decade or so, you saw uh, some, let's face it, some bad hockey. I mean, there, there were some uh, good years in 1993-94 when Union surprised everybody, uh, got to the ECAC hockey tournament and ended up facing RPI in the quarterfinals that year, losing in three games. And then 1996-97, they also got to the playoffs again and, uh, and faced RPI and lost in the quarterfinals as well. But yeah, of course, the low point was uh, Kevin Stennis' first year in 1998-99 when they went 3-26-3. And, and you just started to wonder at that point, what, was it really worth uh, going Division One at this route? I think uh, yeah, slowly they, things started to change uh, when the calendar turned into 2000, the 21st century. Uh, yeah, first under Kevin Stennis and then under Nate Lehman and then Rick Bennett. You saw a little more help coming in the felt the, the Based on needs, uh, they start to do that, and it start to you could see the results. You start to get any better players in the area. Of course, everything culminated um, culminated in 2013-14 uh, with Union winning the national title uh, without any scholarship players, and it was just an amazing feat uh, that uh, the Dutchman did that year. Of course, you look at this ECAC conference. Uh, RPI, a Division Three school, they give out scholarships. St. Lawrence and Clarkson, both Division Three schools, they offer athletic scholarships for the hockey program. Colgate and Quinnipiac, all Division One programs, obviously they award athletic scholarships. The Ivy League schools that are in ECAC hockey uh, have the ability, but they choose not to uh, uh, give out athletic scholarships. Uh, obviously, they focus mainly on academics, but they all say, all for the most part, you know, Harvard, 
Cornell's, they always seem to get good, good players every year. Um, is it time? I, I think it is. I mean, you look at the landscape. I think Jim McLaughlin is right. You look at the landscape now with the transfer portal now really becoming such a, a major factor and, you know, players being able to move a little bit more. Because, uh, you know, years for, for years, if you transfer, you had to sit out a year. But, of course, with, with the pandemic and everything, and things have changed. And I think you, you're seeing with just the recent developments in college football with uh, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to Southern California and uh, uh, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame going to LSU. It seems like coaches don't ever get penalized to – when they make moves like that to go to you know, get bigger deals and all that stuff, and the players have always had to for the most, sit out a year if they had to transfer, it's just been a, it's been a total mess. But I think I think the time has come. If you look at since Union won the national championship, the Dutchmen have been just the one uh, NCAA tournament, and then the last time they played in 2019-20, they won just eight games uh, that year. And the, the, the talent pool is not as has not been as good as it had been. Uh, earlier in the 2010s and you know, 2000s with uh, you know, the likes of Daniel Carr, Mike Vecchione, uh, Shane Gossesbear, Matt Bodie. Uh, today they may not get there because you know, the scholarships and you're seeing also Division One teams. There's more Division One teams. St. Thomas out in Minnesota. I mean, there's always rumors about Illinois and uh, Navy adding um, programs. I mean, and, and, you know, maybe one day we'll see other teams out on the West Coast besides Arizona State. So uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, an interesting decision. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, get eight, they'll be able to give out 18 scholarships. And this has to be voted on at the NCAA convention. Uh, the vote, uh, according to McLaughlin, is going to come up on the final day of the convention, January 22nd. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that the, the program at Union that will benefit the most from athletic scholarships, I think it's going to be the women's program. Because the women's program, since they've gone Division One in 2003, 2004, have not been successful at all. Uh, they have never made the playoffs in ECAC hockey. Uh, they're languishing right now. Just two wins on the season. Uh, the, the Dutch women haven't won since the opening two games of the season. Uh, so I, I think if any program is going to need really benefit the most from these athletic scholarships, it's going to be the women's program. The men's obviously is going to, to be uh, able to you know, get some more quality players, but the women's team really, I think, needs desperately uh, needs help to uh, be able to compete because uh, yeah, for years, I mean, you, you go back to under Claudia uh, Asano Barkham, uh, they were they were some, some very bad teams. There was years where they didn't even win any games. Um, Josh Skeeb is doing his best, but right now it's just tough to go right now. Uh, they were hoping to be in a position this year to challenge for the playoffs. So the last time they played was 2019-20. Uh, sat out last year of the COVID in 2019-20. Uh, they were on the verge of making the playoffs, but they stumbled down a stretch, ended up finishing 10th. This is a program that never has never finished higher than 10th place. And right now, the way things are going right now, uh, 10th place might be a pipe dream at this point. Um, yeah, the women's team has to play Harvard and Dartmouth this weekend on the road. Not uh, very easy competition for the Dutch women. So I, I really think the time has come. Uh, I know there's some purists out there uh, in on the union community, maybe in the um, uh, the academic world there, that they may not like this idea. But I, I, I think it's, it's, it's the time has come. If you want to compete. And the sport is changing. The the way players are being able to move, uh, transfer. Uh, it's going to be. 
you got to give them a reason. The union right now, I think, is falling behind the ECAC schools. I mean, obviously, there's another situation with which we'll maybe talk down the road is the mess of rank. They have to replace that at rank because it's it's on its last legs. Uh, you can only dress it up so much. But uh, I, I think they're going to have to invest money in building a new facility. It's going to have to be off campus. I don't see where. Uh, anywhere on campus that Union can uh, build a new arena. So I think you're going to have to you know, bite the bull and look off campus. I know there's been rumors um, that maybe around the casino area, but we'll, we'll, yeah, who knows at this point where it's going to be. Uh, and if you've, you know, long-time Union fans may recall, there was talk about moving uh, the, on the, the rank to um, where now the uh, former, where now where the, uh, the apartments are for the students near uh, Colonial Car Wash there down, down at the bottom of Knott Street. But the players at the time balked at the idea of uh, going off campus. And I think there, there was also speculation that Union was not going to run the, be, be in charge of the facility. It's more, I think, Schenectady Youth Hockey was going to be involved in that as well. But that never came to fruition. So we'll see what happens on this athletic uh, the, the scholarship front. Uh, I think it seems like it, it's, it could pass. And I think it will help uh, the Union Hockey Program. I think it also obviously will help RIT. And uh, the three other schools that I mentioned that if they want to award scholarships, like the Franklin and Marshall, uh, MIT, and Hobart, we'll see what happens down the road. But I, I think this is a legislation that needs to be passed and help the program and make it competitive again. Uh, the Dutchmen are playing a little bit better than they were at the start of the season, but uh, they want to compete with... Uh, the Cornells, Harvards, uh, Quinnipiacs of the ECAC, and of course, if they want to get back to a national championship chance, I think the time has come for them to um, look at uh, athletic scholarships and uh, you know, just bite the bullet and just join the crowd. So we'll see what happens. Well, you know, January 22nd will be a big day. Uh, for the, the programs of the, the Dutch men and Dutch women. Well, coming up, Brian Unger will join me. We'll get his thoughts about that. Brian is, of course, a 1993 uh, graduate of Union, and we'll talk about a little bit about uh, some things he had said back a few years ago when we discussed um, the 20th anniversary of Union hockey. Uh, I'll ask him about his thoughts uh, about athletic scholarships and how the uh, team is doing so far. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Indiana Nash. I would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a great 2022. The pro football season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets his or her name in the Daily Gazette on Thursday and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. The You Pick a Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. Hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous and healthy 2022. And all I want for Christmas is a new football coach at Notre Dame. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest uh, is a Union College TV analyst for ESPN Plus, also a, a Union College alum. It's Brian Unger. Brian, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, hey, Ken. Good talking to you. Yeah, it's been a while, it's been a, a while yeah. since we've done this. Yes, it has been. It's been pre-pandemic. <laughs> That's right. Well, Brian, I mean, 
I mentioned in my commentary uh, before we had you on, you, we, we talked at the 20th anniversary uh, of Union Division One hockey, and you were a student, as I mentioned, you're an alum, uh, 1993 graduate. Um, at the time when we talked about the program you know, for the 20th anniversary article, you said you were not in favor of the team elevating to Division One uh, at the time you were a student. But now, you know, obviously, we've seen how successful the program has been. Now we're in the, getting to the next step here with scholarships. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first, you have a really good memory, <laughs> so congratulations on that. Um, yeah, scholarships, you know, why not, uh, is my thought. Um, if the school is willing to do it and, and they're willing to put the financial resources behind it, which it sounds like they are, uh, it, it seems like the thing to do. And, and reading some of the comments I know that you put together and talking to uh, the staff over at Union, you know, they've also hinted it's a matter of competitiveness. So, you know, the question is, with the program really taking a step back the past couple of years, what can the school do to get back on the, you know, on the path to being a, a perennial contender? And if scholarships is the answer, I, I trust the people in charge. So I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, you look at the men's program since winning the national championship. And as I mentioned in my commentary, they've only been to one NCAA tournament. I mean, the records haven't been bad. I mean, obviously the last season they played in 2019, 20, they only won eight games, but you know, for the most part, the records haven't been, have not been terribly bad, but it seems like, the, the pool of talent that they're getting these days is not what we saw back uh, when Nate Lehman and then Rick Bennett. You know, we don't see the Daniel Cars, the Mike Vecchioni, the Shane Gossesbears coming in. I think that's, uh, and I think especially with you know we're, we're, Division One programs, we're going to see we see St. Thomas out in Minnesota starting up at Division One. Who knows down the road we could see other teams. Uh, there's always been talk about Illinois in, in the Big Ten and. Yeah, um, possibly Navy. Uh, yeah, those always been talked about there. But yeah, obviously, if this sport's going to grow, and, and the union's got to you know, keep in step. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I think the school, you know, realizes that, and the status quo is, uh, for whatever reason, not producing results. Uh, you know that it did five, ten years ago. I mean, even three years ago, the last year before, or two years before the pandemic struck, the last full season, that was a good team. I mean, they lost to Cornell in three games in the conference quarterfinals. They had, they went up one game to none, and they won one of those two games. They probably make the NCAA tournament. Maybe it's four seed, but they're in. And the past two seasons have been very, very different from that. Uh, so um, I'm not quite sure what happened from about the 2015 time frame after the, the Spencer Foos came in and, you know, players like that, even, you know, guys like Cole Meyer and Sapinski, not to take anything away from the guys that we have now, but we were looking at a string of maybe five Hobie finalists. Vecchioni was in the, the hat trick. Gossip Bear, of course, was a, you know, a long career uh, in the NHL. A bunch of other guys with cups of coffee in the NHL. We're not seeing that in the last couple of recruiting classes. So, I don't know exactly what the root cause is that, but scholarships is only going to help the situation, in my opinion. I mean, to, to me, I think the one program that really desperately needs is really not the men's program, but the women's program. I mean, I know you've called a couple of games on ESPN Plus. So just this program has never been good since going Division One back in two thousand three, two thousand four, and you you wonder sometimes if it's really had been worth it you know, having this team at Division One. But I think to me, the women's team probably needs it more than the men's team. 
Yeah, I completely agreed. And it, it would be a huge boost to the women's program and a great commitment from the school as well uh, to provide that type of funding uh, that will allow Josh Skiba and, and his recruiting staff to tap into a deeper pool of players that they, they currently have. It's not through a lack of effort. I'm going to call three women's games this year. They are, you know, competitive. Uh, they put through a, a, a tough fight all the time. I've not seen them take, you know, an afternoon off. They're just they're outclassed. Uh, they're playing teams that have a deeper talent pool, and it's just hard to win consistently, if at all. And that's what we're seeing with the women's teams. Scholarships will definitely help them as well. Yeah, I mean they're having trouble scoring goals, and it's it's been it's been a tough. They I mean, started out, you know, winning the first two games against RIT, and I think there was aspirations after finishing tenth in 2019-20 uh, about making a playoffs for the first time. And as of right now, as as we speak right now, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the last game I did for the women was against Colgate, and Colgate's top line was in a league of their own. I mean, Union had no answer for them. A lot of the league doesn't have an answer for them. But my point is, Union doesn't have a player that can match that level of talent. So you're not going to be able to win consistently. And as far as women are concerned, you're just having trouble winning at all. So you're absolutely right, Ken. They are a little bit more of a need than the men to find an answer to start recruiting in a deeper pool so they can get some more skilled players in and start getting some different results. Yeah. Let's talk a little about the men's team so far. I mean, they're, they're entering this weekend against Princeton and uh, Quinnipiac, uh, winners of two straight. And, I mean, to me, impressively, at Colgate was the shocker, you know, coming because Colgate's always been a tough place no matter what rink they play in at Colgate. They've always had a tough issue winning there. I mean, they look great at a 2 nothing victory. Uh, and then you know, this past Saturday at Merrimack, uh, they you know, had a one nothing lead after two periods. Saw Merrimack score twice, but then they rallied to win that game three to two. I mean, it seems like they are maybe turning a corner a little bit. I mean, it's not a this is not a flashy team, but I think they're starting to realize. That, I mean, if they play tight defensive hockey, uh, they can probably steal a few wins. Yeah, I completely agree. And I watched some of the Colgate game and all the Merrimack game on you know on video. And I, look. It wasn't the prettiest hockey I've ever seen. I wouldn't call it. It's a game for diehards, you know. Let's put it that way. Uh, you're not having these brilliant goals off the rush and you know end to end action. That's that's how Union's got to play. They got to buckle down. They got a great goaltender uh, right now, um, and they're they're buckling down defensively. Rose a little loose earlier in the season, and they're giving themselves chances to win. And I think that's exactly how the team is going to have to play uh, the rest of the way. Uh, to get the results that they need. And, you know, Union's not going to win games 6-5. They just don't have the firepower. So trying to keep pucks out of their net, reduce chances, and capitalize on special teams is the formula, and that's exactly what worked for them against Merrimack last weekend. Yeah, we talk about special teams. I know they've been struggling uh, most of this season, but, you know, Liam Robertson, two power play goals on Saturday, and the Dutchman kill off all three of uh, Merrimack's power play attempts. I mean, I think that was a... You know, good confidence boost for them as they head back to a league play this weekend, especially you know, facing a team in Quinnipiac who's uh, number four in the country and I think has it really looks like a team that could uh, challenge for a national championship. Yeah, it'll be an interesting weekend. they got to get through Princeton first. They can't look past that. You know, Princeton, I think, is very similar to Union. Not a lot of expectations coming into the season. they got a couple wins under their belt. San Diego's Union didn't play last year, had a tough year the year before. And Union can't look past that game, but what I like about of the squad with union is they just go back to basics. They keep it simple. That's what Rick Bennett's been preaching. When you talk to the players, that's what they say. And I think they're really starting to buy in. 
and you know a guy like Leon Robertson, he's got a pretty simple job: go in front of the net, and you know he's a big body, take away the eyes of the goaltender, get a deflection, whatever. He is a different player this year than he was two seasons ago, and you're starting to see some of the young guys really mesh. And I think players are, um, you know, identifying roles as well. We talked a lot, you know, about uh, Colin Graf and uh, Hodge. Uh, scoring a lot, but some of the you know the defensemen and, and bottom six forwards, I think, are really starting to find a role, play hard, reduce mistakes, and most importantly, not let up chances. And when they do, Connor Murphy has been very consistent for the most part this year, and that's a good formula. And Ken, when you when you break down the league, you know, yeah, there's Quinnipiac, there's Cornell, there's there's Harvard. We haven't seen Harvard yet. I think everybody else, including Clarkson, you can play you know beat in, in overtime. It's kind of a crapshoot. Uh, so Union, you know, has an opportunity if they, they continue to improve, I think, to really uh, exceed expectations. I know in the preseason polls, they weren't sitting in the top half of the league. But I think they got a legit chance to surprise some people, you know, the way they're playing. And they're kind of getting back into the groove a lot quicker than some of these other teams that didn't play last year. How do you think the set of I – mean, this was in, in place last year, obviously, with both Union and then RPI and the Ivies didn't play. But – the, the three-point game, how, how much do you think that changes uh, thinking now? Obviously, you get three points for a regulation win, and if you get the overtime, it's two, two for the winner, one for the loser. I mean, how, how does that formula you know, affect things now? Uh, it makes it more interesting. I mean, it, it, it makes the – like based on my short answers, I'm not quite sure, Ken. I'm not out there on the ice. If you play to win the game. These guys are out there to win a game in regulation, at least I hope, with three minutes to go in the tie game. They're not thinking, oh, we just sit back, we'll, we guarantee ourselves one point. They should be going for uh, the three points. Um, but it also means you're never really quite out of it. Uh, you could be nine points behind in the standings. That's three games. In a 22-game season, that's a lot to make up, but it's it's not insurmountable. And it's now similar to the NHL, where what you, what you don't want to do is lose in regulation. Um kind of goes against a little bit of what I say, but take advantage of those situations, you know, chip away, get a couple additional points. I mean, Union had a, an overtime or shootout loss against St. Lawrence. They still pick up a point. That could be very valuable for, you know, positioning uh, late in the season, especially, again, since I think that the bottom eight or nine teams in the league, I think anybody can beat anybody on any given night. So making sure you take advantage of those overtime situations would be very important. I'll say this, I was never a fan of the three-on-three in the NHL, not a fan of the three-on-three in in college, because in the most important games, in the playoffs, that doesn't exist. So I don't understand why you play by one set of rules in the regular season and another set of rules in the playoffs. But, uh, um, you know, my point is, win as many games as you can in regulation, but when you get in overtime, uh, do your best to get as many points as you can. So it's, it's a different philosophy, but, I mean, to sum it up, I'm hoping they really don't start thinking about that until they're in overtime and it's three on three. Would you like to see maybe a 10 minute overtime? And if it ends uh, tied after 10 minutes, see that everybody gets a point and a half. Cause we, that's what the women do right now. They play a five minute overtime. They don't have a shootout in the women's league. They, they go, if they tied at the end of uh, overtime, it's one and a half points each. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of a traditionalist. I, I, I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the year. I'm like, well, when did ties become so unpopular? But ties are out the window. So I, I think the system as it is right now is fine. Uh, you know, if you get to a shootout, it, it's it, it's a crapshoot. You know, win the game in regulation, win the game in, in OT, and you take your chances in the shootout. So I'm okay with, with the system as it is. Yeah. 
Well, Brian, I appreciate a few minutes. Uh, thank you for you for not bringing up the Giants Eagles game uh, from Sunday. <laughs> Oh, I'm actually angry about that game because I want the Giants to get themselves in the foot. Yeah. You're angry. I'm angry because uh, Jalen Rager can't catch a football. Jalen Hurts. I don't know call it. Rager. I don't know Rager. Hey, man, I'm still. Oh, it was just a. That was just an awful game. There, the Eagles was successful running the football, and then they go away from that for a half, and then yeah, I don't know. Just. I'll. I'll I'll just say this, Ken, the NFL marketing department will not be taking any clips from that game in their promotional videos, so they'll go elsewhere. That's because there weren't many penalty flags being thrown in that game. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I'm going to be on the call this weekend along with Matthew Bray for the games against uh, Princeton and Quinnipiac on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so I appreciate, Brian, a few minutes. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Thanks right. for having me on. It's good All talking right. to you. Yeah, good talking to you, too, Brian. We'll see you Friday. And coming up, uh, I'll have some uh, thoughts of what's going on around the East East Hockey and uh, have Rick Bennett's uh, preview of uh, Princeton and Quinnipiac. Come up here on the Party Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Chad Arnold. I would like to wish you a happy holiday season and a great 2022. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. New York High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Ashley Anya. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season and a prosperous and healthy 2022. Welcome back to the podcast, and let's look ahead to uh, this weekend's games for Union. Uh, returning to ECAC hockey action, the final conference games of the 2021 calendar year. Princeton will stop in on uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock at Messer Inc. The Tigers are 2-2 two two in league play and 3-5-1 and overall. They're six points. They're tied for ninth with Dartmouth and Union. Uh, Princeton uh, played last weekend hosting RIT in a battle of the Tigers. Uh, RIT swept that series, winning 5-4 on Friday and 1-0 on Saturday. Quinnipiac will be here Saturday at 7 o'clock. Uh, the the uh, Bobcats are 3-0-1 uh, in conference play for 11 points. That puts them tied for third with Clarkson. And they're just three points in back of uh, Cornell and Harvard. Quinnipiac overall 10-1-3. Uh, they were the third-ranked team uh, the previous week in the USCHO.com NCAA hockey poll. But by not playing last weekend, they has dropped a notch in that, which is you know, I, I voted them third in my, uh, my poll when I sent, submitted that in on Sunday night. Well, let's get the thoughts of uh, Union Head Coach Rick Bennett on this weekend's opponents. Sure. Uh, Princeton, uh, ex- I mean, 
I, I think their transition's very good. I think they're tough in the ozone play. Their D are, D are all over the place. So they, they have the ability to keep that puck in to extend their offensive zone time, which makes it tough on you from a defensive standpoint. So you really got to be plugged in defensively, five on five against them. Um, and they're definitely a shooting team, just judging based on numbers and you know the forwards that they have. The top forwards are really you know put, put, putting that puck on the net, and that's to me impressive. So, uh, and then Quinnipiac, I don't know on film. I, I don't know if I've seen a better team. I really haven't. I think they've got depth everywhere. Um, some of those kids on the team are older than me, it seems like, and uh, the depth. I mean, just just look at the team. I think they got about 18 to 20 guys that are grads, seniors, and juniors. That's a recipe for success. At least you better be winning with that. And they're doing it. So I give that staff uh, a lot of credit, and I give more credit to the players that are bringing it every practice and every game for them. Let's take a look at some of the key games last weekend in ECAC hockey. I'll start with RPI suffering a couple of tough two-to-one losses to Northeastern in a home-and-home series. Uh, the, the engineers lost Friday night at Houston Fieldhouse and then Sunday afternoon at Matthews Arena. Dartmouth had a 3-0 lead after the first period against Providence, and uh, that woke the Friars up a little bit. Friars tied it up with three goals in the second period and then outscored the Big Green 4-1 in the third to take a 7-4 victory. The uh, upset of the night uh, happened in uh, Boston, where New Hampshire upset uh, Harvard 1-0. Mike Robinson, the goaltender for New Hampshire, made 27 saves in the, the win for the Wildcats, a uh, good game for uh, New Hampshire. And uh, Holy Cross took care of Brown 5-1. to one. Uh, On Saturday, the big game was the uh, game between Cornell and Boston University at Madison Square Garden. I think it's a semi-annual game. Uh, Cornell took a 6-4 victory over the Terriers down there in uh, New York. In the Mayor's Cup game, uh, the original Mayor's Cup game <laughs> in Providence, Rhode Island, between Providence and Brown, uh, the Friars skated away with the Mayor's Cup with a 4 nothing victory there. Uh, Clarkson, I, we should mention them, went out to um, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, they earned a 1-1 tie Friday night against the, uh, the Badgers and then took a 3 nothing victory on Saturday. Uh, so and Clarkson, that helped Clarkson get into the top 20 in the USC, USCHO.com uh, poll. Uh, Wisconsin, a uh, team that was expected to do a little bit more this year. They're a 4 Eleven to one, tough times there for uh, head coach Tony Granado. Well, let's look ahead to this weekend. Of course, we mentioned Union's games against uh, Princeton and Quinnipiac, and obviously RPL will be hosting Quinnipiac on Friday and Princeton on Saturday. Elsewhere, Cornell will go to St. Lawrence and Clarkson for this weekend. Harvard visits Brown and uh, uh, Yale, and um, Dartmouth. Uh, Dartmouth obviously goes to Yale and Brown. Uh, Colgate will go to Clarkson and St. Lawrence. And that's that's it. That'll be the last really big league games of 2021 for the uh, calendar year. Uh, Union, of course, next week will go to Maine, and now they'll wrap things up until after Christmas when they uh, host uh, defending national champion UMass on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Just a reminder, the ECAC Hockey Face-Off selections are back, and I post my picks every Wednesday. And you can participate. Email your picks to uh, me at shot. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. 
Well, that will do it for this college hockey edition of the podcast. I would like to thank Brian Unger for being on the show. Follow my coverage of Union's games against Prince and the Quinnipiac this weekend on Twitter at Slapshots. And I will have post-game uh, podcasts as well. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, or if you have a college hockey questions you would like answered, email them to me at shots at dailygazette.com. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good hockey.